Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Your Story, a startup indie comic, graphic novel, and video games publisher based in the Winnipeg area. You can check out all of their releases at yourstory.ca and use Jets2020, a one-time promo code, for 15% off your order. Stick around throughout the show to hear a bit more about Your Story's awesome lineup of comics and games. On tonight's show, as per usual, we are going to be recapping some more playoff action, of which there has been quite a bit and a number of eliminations in the series, so we have some actual round two predictions. I'll save some of the round two talk for tomorrow and just talk about what I saw throughout these first opening games of this initial round and give some thoughts about which teams might be on the up and up and which ones are definitely in trouble. The bell has tolled for quite a few teams tonight and the first team to get the axe is the Columbus Blue Jackets who fell to the Tampa Bay Lightning in overtime 5-4. Unfortunately for the Blue Jackets, they just couldn't quite outlast their own mistakes and lack of depth. Overall, they played a really strong game against Tampa, and this was probably one of their most dominant performances, but despite having a 4-2 lead entering the third period, they fell just a bit short and ended up conceding a number of goals right before the end of regulation. The one thing that you can't give Tampa is space, and it doesn't matter how much space you give them, any space that is on the ice where they have an ability to pass or shoot is going to be a problem. And again, that ended up proving to be enough to get them through just because Corpusalo had not as strong of a performance, and unfortunately, Tampa Bay also has the world's best shooters. Braden Point ended up set, you know, getting a nice feed from, I forget who it was, might have been Kucherov or something from the wall, but uh, Point you know, walked in and backhanded it over Corpusalo's blocker or glove or something in overtime and finished off the series. Overall, I think we saw Tampa Bay actually get pretty pressured by this Blue Jackets team. Even though the series was 4-1, I think that the series was a bit closer than it seemed at times just because Jonas Corposalo was really standing on his head. For the Blue Jackets, I think they can take some solace in the fact that they haven't had a healthy lineup the entire season. They faced arguably the league's best overall team, and this was a lot of hockey to play within the span of two to three weeks. They played more hockey than just about everyone else, and having to face the Lightning in your very first round is just an absolute meat grinder, so I think Tortorella's folks can feel pretty okay with what happened. I think that the result will certainly be disappointing, and Tortorella was actually very short with the media, and really didn't say anything, and just kind of stormed off after he answered like two questions. But I think that the players should be proud of their performance. The only things that I didn't necessarily care for were, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was amazing throughout the series, but he did have quite a few questionable hits that weren't called, and I, I don't think that that is, you know, it's entirely just his fault. The league needs to be more proactive about banning these hits from behind, because they are already banned in the regular season, but for whatever reason, they're not getting called in this postseason picture. I also think Columbus just needs an injection of young goal-scoring talent. They have a pretty decent lineup, and they have some guys who I think are underrated contributors. You know, Alex Venberg is okay. I think Oliver Bjorkstrand is definitely a really high-end playmaker, although he's not a prolific scorer himself. Uh, they've got some talented blue liners who don't necessarily have a great defensive impact, but certainly do have an attacking presence in Jones and Wierenski. That said, I think you you definitely noticed the the, uh, the loss of Josh Anderson and Artemi Panarin. Panarin, you know, of course, departed in free agency, and I think Anderson is injured or something. But Anderson's contract negotiations, as far as I know, haven't really progressed, so I think he might be on the chopping block, and, and obviously Panarin's offensive impact can't really be replaced in, internally. They've got guys like Benstrom, 
Tessier and Stenlin trying to fill in the gaps, but I don't think that that is quite enough to cover like a franchise forward. That said, I think Columbus should be happy with the effort that they put forth. I think that they got further than they could have ever dreamed, really. I mean, this was a team that was basically destined to be trash-binned by just about every prognosticator heading into this playoff picture. Just like they did last year, they continued to prove folks wrong, and even though they weren't quite able to turn the table on the series after uh, falling a little bit early in overtime, I think that they still can be excited about what they put forth, and the fact that they did this with essentially half an NHL roster you know, it's it's not a bad result. I think that they pushed pretty hard and, and they got Tampa Bay into some uncomfortable spots. As far as the Lightning are concerned, I think what we saw from this squad is that they are extremely resilient. You know, Columbus last year, I think that the memory of getting swept is certainly still fresh in their minds. And they were looking for a, a, a modicum of revenge. But by the same token, you also realize that Columbus's methods were very effective in shutting down your neutral zone transition game last year. So obviously Tampa Bay had to be very careful even against a team that was weaker than it was last season. All that said, I just feel like Tampa Bay's overwhelming pressure and speed just eventually broke the Blue Jackets down in most of these games, and that's going to be a theme that we see in whoever they play next. I think that they have an extremely good, uh, dangerous squad with tons of depth. You've got guys like Blake Coleman, uh, Barkley Goodrow, Yanni Gord. All of these guys are very underrated in some capacity, but bring an element to the Tampa Bay roster that continues to make this team just so dangerous, and you know, basically all four lines are very strong. Even their bottom six seems to provide a, a, a good punch of physicality, speed, skill even in some respects. I think that there is underrated skill there. And they can eat some of those tougher matchup minutes, which allows your top six to get a little bit more breathing room and, and time to rest before they just absolutely explode offensively. This is just a team that's built to win, and I think that we are seeing, despite a very congested Columbus Blue Jackets Neutral zone four check and defensive zone back check. I think that what we saw with Tampa Bay was that they just overwhelmed it anyways. They were good enough to get through, break those blockades, and crack Tortorella's roster repeatedly, and eventually beat Corpusalu, who was, I think, absolutely astoundingly brilliant no matter what. Corpy managed to rack up a 941 save percentage, which is just absolutely insane considering the kind of series that this was. At the end of the day, I think that uh, Tampa Bay just has the edge, and in their next game, whoever they're going to face, I think it would be either Montreal or Philadelphia. It's going to be an interesting test, and we'll actually talk uh, in just a few minutes about Montreal-Philadelphia because that game just finished not too long ago, and there's been some interesting developments that I think would surprise folks, especially those who expected Montreal to kind of finish off this series and, and get killed by the Flyers. The Habs continue to do one thing this entire postseason and that surprise, and I think they did surprise again this evening. Of course, most Flyers fans would probably disagree that the Flyers surprised in their own way, but, you know, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. As I mentioned earlier, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about Your Story Transmedia, based in Winnipeg. They're currently launching a line of comic books, including their flagship comic, The River Knows, which is set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. The best way you'd understand it is a mix of Sin City meets X-Files meets Mad Men. It has a gritty, noir aesthetic, along with a lot of supernatural elements and a sense of foreboding mystery throughout the entire experience. Despite the creeping dread and occasional supernatural imagery, you'll feel right at home when you see a sighting of Portage in Maine. We all love a little bit of local flavor to some of our favorite media pieces, and it's cool to see Winnipeg represented in yet another interesting medium, especially one that's not as uh, heavily explored with Winnipeg, which is like comic books and graphic novels. If you're looking for something a little bit more lighthearted or more down the sci-fi path, be sure to check out Through Space and Time and Stuff. 
UFO Undercover, and Eon. If you're a sci-fi nerd, your story has you covered. They're also publishing an all-ages, family-friendly game called Alien Machine Glow coming soon. It follows the story of a cucumber farmer who happens to find the ability to see aliens. You can check out more about Alien Machine Glow as well as the rest of Your Story's product line by visiting yourstory.ca. You can find all of their ebooks as well as their limited edition, high-quality, first printing run of their 85 by 11 magazine-style comics there and use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. I mentioned earlier that this playoff run has had some surprising results, and one of the more surprising series has been Philadelphia versus Montreal. We know that throughout the regular season, the Philadelphia Flyers were very strong, and the Montreal Canadiens definitely weren't. This series, though, has been a surprisingly tense and fraught affair where the the Flyers have had to really shut things down and try to stifle Montreal's offense as much as humanly possible. It's worked out well for the most part, but I think we're also kind of seeing that at times the Flyers have had trouble keeping the Habs out of the scoreboard. Just a couple games ago, the Montreal Habs blew out Philadelphia like 5-0, and it was a pretty embarrassing scoreline. Philadelphia, of course, then responded with a couple of really stifling wins not long after, and basically prevented the Habs from scoring for a couple of straight games. Tonight's game was a bit of a mess, though. The Flyers were definitely not quite as astute as they usually were, and they had to score a lot of goals on the power play, courtesy of uh, Jake Voracek, but they had trouble staying disciplined and keeping a lead. The Habs have been a pest and a bit of a pain in their butt the entire series, and that was the case again tonight. Even after Philadelphia had managed to tie the game late at 3-3, Montreal scored like 30 seconds later on a beautiful effort from Nick Suzuki, but you know a lot of it was set up from Nate Thompson turning it over behind the net right to Jonathan Drouin. One of the issues that Elaine Vigneault has started to showcase in some of these games is that he tends to trust some of his depth forwards and skaters a little bit too much, and we saw that in this case where Nate Thompson felt like he was out on tons of shifts, and Thompson unfortunately just can't keep pace against some of Montreal's faster skaters. It really feels like this this game could be some kind of a turning point in the series. I don't think the Flyer fans should be too worried yet, but I do think that there is a shade of doubt because we know that Carey Price can be very good, we know that the Habs are an absolute menace at times, and Montreal, in fairness, could have tied the series or even had the lead in the series, and I don't think anyone would complain. The regular season Habs, these ain't. They're actually legitimately a dangerous squad with pretty good goaltending, and I think that that's going to be an issue for Philadelphia going forward. There's a big test on Friday, and if they somehow lose this game against the Habs, I think Philadelphia's in real trouble. We've seen Philadelphia respond to losses with some big wins, so I'm not exactly, you know, going to write this team off right now. I think that there's plenty of time left, and I think Philadelphia still has a 3-2 lead in the series. They just need one more win, so it's not like they're in dire straits yet. But this series is probably a little bit closer than they would care for. It stands in stark contrast to the Arizona-Colorado series, which saw Arizona just get absolutely massacred, especially over the past couple of games. This wasn't all that close. Colorado has carried the play for almost the entire series, and Darcy Kemper was pretty much the only one keeping Arizona even in this series. That finally went away, and this time it pretty much sealed the nail in the coffin. Arizona got thoroughly worked over, and I feel like the Yotes don't really have many answers to questions that they're still trying to figure out, like what exactly went wrong in this series besides the Avs being really good. Is the roster not deep enough? You know, is the top six not quite good enough? What what about the goaltending? Was that an issue? I think the goaltending they cannot worry about right now. I mean, they've got Antti Ranta, Aiden Hill, and Darcy Kemper in that. They're mostly okay with that. I do have questions about the rest of the roster, though. They traded for Taylor Hall, who's probably not sticking around. They've got Phil Kessel, who's not exactly what he once was. In fact, he is just bad at this point of his career. Clayton Keller is a bit underwhelming, despite the fact that he's being paid like $7.5 million. 
You know, a lot of the offense is coming from guys like Connor Garland, Christian Dvorak, and uh, maybe Derek Stepan. Not a whole lot else, generally speaking. I think Brad Richardson had some goals. It's just not really a, a particularly inspiring mixture of high-end talent, and I think that that is something that's going to be an issue for Arizona, especially with the change in management. I didn't really get the sense that I was overly impressed with Jonathan Shaka's tenure. I felt like he made a lot of moves that on paper looked okay, but maybe didn't really make sense and maybe weren't all that good for Arizona. The Taylor Hall trade was fine, but I definitely feel like it's not quite enough to get Arizona into a more competitive state, and I think that this series really showcased how far they are from being a top-end squad. You know, Arizona was definitely capable of putting up a tougher fight than they did during this playoff series against Colorado, but I don't know how much more of a tougher fight they could put up. I think that they tried their best, and then they just eventually ran out of steam, and that is something that's going to be tough for them to kind of compensate for. You know, Colorado is is a genuine cup contender. They play with speed, they play with physicality, and there's a ton of goal-scoring skill. I don't know how you deal with that necessarily, especially on your penalty kill, because that power play is just capable of cutting you apart so quickly. But I also saw a lot of mental errors and defensive mistakes that ended up killing anything that the Yotes were trying to get going. Sure, they didn't get shut out in tonight's game, but I think they lost, what, 7-1? If you're Arizona, that scoreline is just going to stick out like a sore thumb, and I think that, generally speaking, they just are, are in some deep waters, and I don't think they have a great answer for how to get out of them. If you're Colorado, I think you're just cruising and chilling. You're happy. I mean, this is exactly what you wanted. This is exactly what you needed. You're proving again that you are one of the top teams in the NHL, and I think that they took care of business very quickly. They didn't screw around, and they they dealt with it exactly as they needed to do. I, in many ways, wish that this is what the Jets did, because I feel like Winnipeg could have a similar core of talent in a season or two, and I feel like the Jets, at times, have been even better than what the Avs are right now. You know, a couple of years ago, we saw Winnipeg be one of the true Stanley Cup favorites, and I feel like that team, you know, we haven't seen much of it in recent times, and I wish we did. It'll be a while yet before we see a team that's as good as the Savs team, you know, in terms of uh, Winnipeg's talent level being on the same par, but if the Jets seriously want to rival a team like Colorado in the Central Division, they need to get faster and younger like the Avs have gotten. Embrace speed and strength. I mean, you can have both, and I think that the Jets do have some prospects that are going to fit that mold, so hopefully we see guys step up because I think the Avs are going to be running the Central for a couple of seasons. Up next, I'll talk a little bit about some of the other series that concluded, but before then, I thought I would give a shout-out to our wonderful sponsors at Built Bar. If you've never had Built Bar, they're a really tasty alternative to the usual protein bar grind. They're like a chocolate-covered candy bar with a nice soft interior and a lot of great flavor choices. Since the relaunch, they've added a couple more flavors, including flavors like Cherry Barcia and Apple Almond Crisp. They've got 12 original flavors too, including toffee almond and orange, banana bread, peanut butter, German chocolate, you name it, they've probably got a flavor just for you. Whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight, Built Bars are for everyone. It's always low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. They're perfect for keto diets and often contain anywhere from 17 to 19 grams of protein, 200 or less calories, and around 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars don't just taste great, they're good for you. And if you place an order right now, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. The bell has tolled for the last time on the Carolina Hurricanes. They have fallen to the Boston Bruins 2-1. If you were hoping for the uh, the storm surge to come back in the series after being down 3-1, yeah, it unfortunately didn't happen. I think Carolina very quickly found out that Boston is a very difficult team when the Bruins are playing their best style of hockey. The Bruins are a big mean machine with an added dose of IQ. 
They wear you out by dragging you into really intensive physical battles, making you think that you can keep up with them before grinding you down and wearing you out. I don't think Carolina really was prepared for that style of series, and it very quickly became apparent that they just didn't quite have enough to keep up with uh, the amount of wear and tear that the Bruins can inflict upon you. Carolina started getting a bit undisciplined and taking penalties, and against that Bruins power play, that's just a huge mistake waiting to happen. Boston may appear as this goony, aggressive squad, but secretly under the hood, they're a very talented offensive squad with tons of great passers, uh, lots of vision, lots of playmaking skill, and really good defensive sound presences. They're also built to hit you in waves with tons of pressure and a really intensive forecheck. This is a squad that's entirely comfortable being physical and edgy, but actually does it with a really intelligent approach. They know how to bait you into being lulled into their game style, and if you get caught in their trap, they will absolutely tear you apart. And then you pair that with a really stifling team defensive structure, and I just feel like the Bruins are finally starting to show why they were such a dominant team throughout the regular season. Bruce Cassidy is very good at getting the best out of the squad, and making a lot of depth players find roles in his system. I think this really sends a warning shot for the rest of the Eastern Conference. You know, this is a, a tough team, and I think that Carolina ultimately found that they are kind of a buzzsaw. They don't look like it on paper because they were down David Pasternak for most of the series. And you think about it and they've got like, I don't know, guys like Chris Wagner and a few other players out there who most people aren't overly familiar with. But Boston has made a habit of turning guys like Austin Zarnick and Noel Achari into great bottom six forwards. And a lot of that is down to Bruce Cassidy's tactical philosophy. You know, he has a very grinding but very smart grinding approach. I don't really know how the Canes are going to combat that going forward. I feel like Carolina just kind of got ground down eventually, and it wasn't like uh, Carolina played crappy hockey necessarily, although there were a couple of periods that were just atrocious. Overall, though, I just think that they, they realized that their system was going to start causing them issues, and Brindamore didn't really have a great answer for how the Bruins kind of disrupted all of their zone transitions and offensive setups. All credit to Cassidy, I think it sets up a really dangerous matchup for whoever gets them next. The last game that is currently ongoing for this evening's festivities is Vancouver versus St. Louis, and St. Louis actually took a 3-1 lead uh, throughout the first two periods, but it's almost to the end of the second period, and that 3-1 lead has now evaporated into a 3-3 tie. This has been a very crazy series with quite a few twists and turns, and I feel like Vancouver is giving it all they've got, and thus far they've had quite a bit actually. They maybe aren't playing the level of hockey that you'd expect from like a real cup contender, but they have been pretty good against the reigning cup champs. So I think you have to give all credit to Vancouver. They're fighting hard. They're trying their best. They got a shorthanded goal from Tyler Mott. They also have a goal now from, I think, Jake Vertanen. And if they want to have a chance at knocking off the Blues, they're going to have to get depth contributions from guys who haven't been performing quite as much as they'd like. If you like underdog stories, Vancouver's that underdog story. So we'll see how they pan out. They've got quite a bit of time left in this game, and I'll tell you more about what happens in it on tomorrow's episode. But for now, that's going to do it for this evening. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast, hosted by Sarah Avampado. Have a great night, and go Jets go.